Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness to Paran, according to the commandment of the Lord. Verse 17, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up this way into the south, and go into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit it are like camps or strongholds. Verse 20, whether the land is poor or rich, whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land, the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land. Verse 27 And they came back and said, It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and their cities are fortified very large. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the bank of the Jordan. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. Of course, today we would call that faith. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They've got their eyes off something because they're saying, We're not able, for they are stronger than we. And the question is, what about God? Where's God in this picture? Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. They're looking at things in the natural realm. They keep, they're looking at their own ability right, to pull this off. Wow, I feel like a grasshopper out here. And I'm sure when they look at us, they're thinking, hey, who are those little grasshoppers over there, right? That we don't know what they were thinking. They might have been saying, hey, you know, who's that? Is that Israel that we're hearing all these things about? Their hearts could have been filled with fear. But they're looking at things in the natural realm. They're leaning onto their own understanding. If we jump to Numbers 14 and starting in verse 1, so the whole congregation lifted up their voices and cried, And the people wept, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Today we'd call that cursing yourself. What did happen to them? It happened to them. They did die in the wilderness. Verse 3, Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? Well, the Lord didn't bring them to fall. Their whole perspective, their whole attitude, they got their eyes off the Lord. The Lord has brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to just return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. That's what they did. Now, this is the second time they did this because they tried to pull this when Moses went up on the mountain. 
to pray, they said, you know, where's, where, where did Moses go? Let, let's go back. And we, you know, we look at this story and we're like, wow, you know, these people just didn't get it. Didn't they know who their God was? But the reality of it is, is that what was true of them is true of us today. We look at the challenges that face us in life and even in spiritual battles. And what happens is when, when we get to the place where we have to overcome the enemies that are facing us in our own life, there are battles that we have to fight. And the Lord is saying today, this is what the Lord is saying, I am with you. Keep your eyes on me. I'm going to bring you through. I'm going to take you through into all the promises that I've given you. They had a natural inheritance. We now have a spiritual inheritance. We've moved off from conquering lands and and the Amalekites and the Jebusites to conquering spiritual forces in heavenly places that we can take our rightful place. See, God wants us to walk in the high places. So what's this? What are the people doing? They're weeping, they're crying, they're complaining, and they just want to go back. The reality is is that because they forgot God, God right now in this story, he's feeling the rejection of his people. They're rejecting God. They're questioning his ability to get them through the battles that are ahead of them. And Moses and Aaron, who are full of faith, what do they do? Their faces hit the ground before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And verse 6, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who spied out the land, they tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel. When you're tearing your clothes, that's, you're making, it's a sign and everybody will look at you. You know, the high priest, when he believed that Jesus wasn't who he said he was and that he was blaspheming, you know, he tore his, tore his clothes and everybody looked to the high priest. When Joshua and Caleb, when they tore their clothes, everybody looks, and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out, it's an exceedingly good land. Don't listen to these guys. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And they did testify, hey, the land does flow with milk and honey, and they're carrying the the vintage to prove it. Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is the part from them, and the Lord is with us, do not fear them. And all the congregation said, stone them. To deal with this problem, these guys got to go. We can't have them. We can't have people moving in faith around us. We got to get rid of them. They got to go. So let's kill them. I think they were getting ready to kill them until the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting. And I say, they were picking up stones because they're saying, no, we're not going. And the glory of the Lord appeared. And they're like, look, the glory of the Lord. And they all look over at the tabernacle. So the Lord shows up and I think he saved their lives. Doesn't say that, but now we always say, well, the Lord, you know, we want the Lord. We want the Lord to come, you know, may the Lord visit us. May, you know, we want to be a people of his presence. And we do. We do want to be a people of the presence. Why did the Lord show up? Well, if you keep reading, we're not going to read the whole story, but the Lord showed up because he was not happy. Verse 36, now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land, what happened to them? They died by the plague. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb remained alive. You know, so out of all the 12, those 10 died 
and those two remained. And of course, we know the sad history that the whole nation had to turn back and wander in the wilderness 40 years, over a million and a half people, because they brought the bad report. And the Lord said, for each day that you spied out the land, you're going to spend a one year in the wilderness, for every day, one year. And you said your little ones would die. No, you're going to die in the wilderness because you cursed yourself. And your little ones, they're going to see this, and I'm going to bring them in. And I'll tell you, 40 years later, when it was time to go in, they were ready. Moses had passed away, and Joshua said, get ready, we're going over. They got ready, and they crossed over, and they meant business. Why? Because they said, we're not wandering around for 40 more years. Now, I want to jump into the New Testament, and I want to go to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the glory and the praise of God the Father. We're only going to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. They only come through Christ. We have to remember that. We can't produce that independent of abiding in the Lord. The Lord said, apart from me, you can't produce anything. You can't produce fruits of righteousness. He wants us to produce those to bring the glory of God. See, Israel was the glory of God. The history of that nation, they'd spent 400 years in Egypt, and he came to deliver them. He's here again on the scene through his son, bringing each one of us through into deliverance so that we can come in and that we can be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Paul writing to the Philippians, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, right? He's a prisoner. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident of my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's in chains, and of course, when we see people like in jumpsuits with chains, we're like, what did they do? Paul was being chained and imprisoned because of his testimony in Christ. We know, we know that. But what's interesting, where is he? He's actually in Caesar's He's under Caesar's custody, and so the devil is trying to shut Paul down and get him chained and locked away. It's like, let's get this guy. Let's find a way to get him chained, put away, throw him in a dungeon so he can no longer do any damage to the kingdom of darkness. But what happened was, in the devil doing that, he ends up where he's saying, actually, it's turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? So when we entrust ourselves to the Lord and we're willing to go forth like Israel was facing those giants, we might die here fighting these giants. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know one thing. We don't have an option to turn back. The devil will tell us, no, you can go back. The world's telling us, no, you don't, you know, stay where you are. Don't, you know, just, just live your life. Be happy. Be free. But Paul said, no, I'm going to preach the gospel. And he ends up in Caesar's prison, proselytizing the palace guard. Because in verse 21, it said, Philippians 1, verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. 
and all the saints greet you. What saints? Those that are of Caesar's household. He's getting really, really close to the throne. So what the enemy wanted to do, God's turning out for the better. So much so that what if he could convert Caesar? Well, Caesar's running Rome, right? We don't believe that that happened, but that's how close he got to the throne. So the devil's like, whoops, he's converting the whole palace. If He's converting Caesar's household. I mean, that's amazing. There's no way the gospel would have spread in into the palace, the, the whole palace guard. He says right there, verse 13, so it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. See, once they received Christ, they begin to say, Paul, now we understand who you are and why you're in chains. So what did this do to Paul and those around him? It made them much more bold to speak without fear. And I think today, one of the enemies that me and you have to overcome is that we have to have the boldness in our faith to speak. We have to have the boldness in our faith to speak without fear. I'm not talking just like street evangelism with passing out track. I'm talking about where you're moving in faith and the Holy Spirit is quickening you and you and me, we do not shrink back. We are in a day that we have to be bold and we have to speak the words of God. What's going to happen? People aren't going to be happy. We're going to be persecuted. When you witness to your friends, when you're in when you're in a situation where unrighteousness is going on, we can stand there and be quiet because we're like, if I speak into this situation, I'm going to be identified for who I really am. That may offend somebody. What I want to tell you is that if we're all willing to do that, it will turn out for the good, for the furtherance of the gospel. Why? Because People are really looking for something. Not Maybe not everybody in every situation, but we don't know where their heart is and if they're crying out for truth and for righteousness. Is there anybody who will stand for truth and for righteousness? The Holy Spirit moves upon us because when I have shrunk back, when we shrink back from declaring the Lord, it's very similar to Israel saying, we're not going in. Those enemies are too strong for us. You know, if I stand against this, it could cost me my reputation. It could cost me my job. It could cost me where I live. You know, the price is great. And the Lord's saying, it is great. If you step out in boldness in faith, and I'm, I'm talking not, you know, not just in your soul or in some religious, I'm, I'm talking about when you're inspired by the Lord in your inner heart. Not when you're just defending some scripture and being religious. Not that stuff. That The letter killeth. It's the spirit that gives life. When you witness to people, when you testify who you are, you need two things happening. You need the spirit of God quickening your spirit, and you need the word to rise up. You feel it. It's, it's near you. It's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. It's right there together. That's when you speak. If you don't have it together, we, we can, people use the Bible and it condemns people. It cuts them. It hurts them. You know what I'm saying? It, they're missing the Lord many times in their testimony and they're being, you know, I had somebody who was sharing their testimony about not wearing masks and somebody stopped them in a store and said, why aren't you wearing a mask? And they said, because I put my faith in God. Who are you putting your faith in? And they walked away 
thinking like, I just witnessed for Jesus. No, you didn't. You didn't witness for Jesus. Not that stuff, okay? That's, a, that's like self-righteousness in your faith. If you want to walk around with a mask on, yeah, then just say, you know, but don't bring the Lord into it. Don't bring him into everything that you're doing, think, thinking that, you know, you're representing the kingdom of heaven through your natural understanding or your attitudes about what's going on in, in society. I'm talking about two very, very different things. But our boldness, see, when, when Paul was there in chains and then he starts converting the palace guard, it, it encouraged him. He said, Lord, now I know. Yes, he knew that Satan had resisted him. You know, the religious community had put him in bonds because of his testimony of the gospel, but it's working out for the furtherance. Listen, you're praying today. You have prayers. You're petitioning the Lord. You're saying, Lord, lead me, guide me. And he's saying, I'm going to, but when I lead you and guide you, it may be nothing to do with what you're asking me for, but if you're faithful in that, that's going to come behind. Your obedience in testifying for me when the word is in your mouth and my spirit is with it, that that's going to make way. That's how the Lord makes a way for us. It doesn't really happen any other way. We don't just like hide our light under a bushel, and then, you know, he just moves mountains for us. No, we have to be moving in the mountain of faith. The secret of the Lord, well, where is it? Where's the secret of the Lord? It's with those who fear him, and he shows them his covenant. Psalm 33, 18, behold, the eyes of the Lord is on the one who fears him. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Well, what are you getting at? Fear of the Lord. When Israel, when those 10 leaders of their tribe said no, what were they fearing? They were fearing what they were seeing with their natural eye. They said, I'm afraid of those giants. I'm afraid of, you know, the, the Amalekites and all the people that are dwelling. I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid of them. And when Moses hit the deck, he was saying, oh my goodness, they forgot to fear the Lord. Moses and Joshua hit the deck. If you're not fearing the Lord first and you come under the fear of man, you're taking you're off the battlefield. You are of no use to anybody. If you live your life fearing man, then you are as common as rocks on the side of the road. I'm serious. God's looking for those who fear him. Had Israel feared the Lord and said, we fear the Lord, we have to press on. Who are we going to fear? And the Lord is speaking today. He's saying, choose the fear of the Lord because I'm going to open all of these things up to you. I'm going to show you my covenant. My eye is going to be upon those who fear. My angel will encamp around those who fear me. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you. This is the Holy Spirit. What's one of the things the Holy Spirit's going to teach us? Fear the Lord. Don't, don't look at, we. I am not able, we are not able. See, fear the Lord. Psalm 128, verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, number one, and number two, walks in his ways. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of knowledge. It's the very beginning. It's the ABCs. We say, Lord, you know, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you, Lord. He's like, well, fear me. Well, what does that have to do with knowing you? If you start fearing me, it's the beginning. But fools despise knowledge. What is that? Fools, they hate Christ. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's even the beginning of wisdom. James said, if you lack wisdom, pray. 
And Proverbs 111.10 saying, okay, then fear the Lord. That's the beginning. If you lack it, he'll give it to us. But you can't gain wisdom without fearing God because that's the entrance. His eyes upon you. And well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, you know, it says, to this one will I look humble and contrite of heart and trembles at my word. Keep me in wisdom. Keep me in understanding. Help me to fear the Lord because it's the beginning and a good understanding have all those who do his commandments and keep his word. So in that, God will give you great understanding because you need wisdom, you need direction. Each one of us in this room, because we're all in different places, we all need wisdom and understanding for our life. He's watching us. You'll be praying. You prayed yesterday for understanding about a situation, and you're just like driving down the road, and the answer comes a day later. Boom, it just drops in your spirit. You're like, whoa, there it is. Why? God's watching. He's seeing, if I give you this divine guidance and direction that I know you need, I want to see, where am I in the relationship? Israel, we can look at Israel and say, well, that's a nice story, you know, uh, and move off of it. We have to remember that we are, we, it's human nature. They didn't want to go in and fight these enemies. Because people were laughing at Paul, saying, oh, yeah, he's such a great apostle for Christ. Oh, yeah, he's the apostle to the Jews. Look at him in chains. Apollos is my man. He's not in chains. Apollos never wrote any letters. Apollos is probably a great guy. You know, who did the Lord really use? Who did he use in Caesar's household? Nothing against Apollos. We can see that Paul was the guy that was pioneering and pressing through. And he should inspire us that he did not shrink back. Malachi chapter 3, 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened, and he heard them. And a book of remembrance, or a scroll, some versions say, was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. Because those who feared the Lord, what they were in fellowship with one another. They were together, and the Lord was there with them. The Lord was listening to them. And it says in the Living Bible, he recorded their names. So that's the fellowship I'm looking for. That's the unity community that I'm looking for. Look, if we're in process, we're, we're working our way there. That, that's, that's, I'm just looking for willing hearts, people who are seeking the Lord. None of us are perfect. We all come with you know what we come with. This is a group of people that God is really, really focused. When you have people that are fearing the Lord and meditating on his name, and God is transforming us day to day to day to day. When I look back, I actually, I was in prayer this morning. And I said, Lord, you're doing, not you've done, he's done a good work, but he's doing a good work. And I marvel at it. I just say, Lord, how did you do this? Because when I look back over the years and I see seasons of unfaithfulness, you know, seasons where it's like, "Ah, you know, Lord, I'm busy doing my own thing. And I, I teach a lot about that because I've lived through times where the Lord has dealt with me as a son. See, what son is there that he doesn't chastise and discipline? And the Lord does that with us. And we look back at Israel's experience. And even as Paul said, how they wandered 40 years, they're our example that we can wander our whole life. It's my choice. So as much as his mercies are new every morning, our free will is too. We can choose. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened, and he heard them. And he says, start writing and recording Book of Remembrance for those who have feared him and those who meditate on his name. 
May we be such a people. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you'd like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow button. If you're on Google, click subscribe. This is a free podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. If you would like to donate, click the PayPal link of this podcast. If you're on our website, click the heart button on the upper right corner. If you don't have a PayPal account, you can still use this link to give using your credit or debit card. To contact me, my email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.